Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Week one. Let's get it. Dude, I'm I'm so pumped. We were talking about this, you know, pre-podcast here. I I can't contain my excitement. Like this is all day, all night tonight. I'm not gonna be able to sleep. You know, tomorrow morning I'm gonna wake up early and just have the jitters all day. I love football like more than almost anything. Like this is like just the best, the best time of the year here. And with the start of the regular season, we just we just hammer up the big dogs. That's what you gotta do. Week one, you can't kick it off without just Top shelf stuff. We're bringing you John Daigle, friend of the show, Rotor World. If you are not familiar with John Daigle, uh, this is American football. This is a new sport to you. That's the only way you're not familiar with our guest today. Daigle, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. You are far too kind. Not the big dog, but friend of friend of the show, certainly, as I have listened the past few seasons to y'all and had just happened to recently meet both of you in person, which I'm blessed to do. Uh, perhaps and perhaps meeting with some of you tomorrow night as well. So I'm just excited, as we said behind the curtains. I'm excited to finally have something to talk about besides the past six months. I want to look forward, uh, not only stats but matchups in particular. And I think we're going to hit on a lot of player props, fantasy fades, bets we have all even personally done on this show tonight. Absolutely, yeah. Week one is definitely an interesting one. As we said, just a different level of speculation. So we're excited to have you on to help us unpack it. Before we do, I want to let you know, support for Move the Lines brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code MOVETHELINE at manscaped.com. 20% free shipping. Get your balls right uh, as we get into uh, first Sunday of the season. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit just as we get into week one and dig in a little bit more deeper about how can we really leverage the speculation around who's at advantage and disadvantage offensively, defensively, as far as having limited padded practices, no preseason games. Um, this situation, really, we don't have much to call on it. But uh, JJ, late round QB, had a tweet. So this is our wake and take section of the show. Um, And JJ's tweet was a reminder that the closest recent comp we have to this 2020 NFL season is the 2011 season when the lockout ended in late July. Week one saw 12 games hit the over. He strongly believes the defenses are going to suck this week. So, fellas, offensive continuity seems to be the name of the game this offseason. You know, who can really make up just by being familiar? Who's bringing the most guys back? Um, Does that work on the defensive side of the ball? Who do you think is going to benefit most as we kind of just overarching week one? Connor, what do you think here? Yeah, I think that – so, I, you know, I was really thinking about this a lot actually all offseason because um, I wasn't really sure. And for my – like my perspective is that it's probably going to be just sloppy football in general – but, um, you know, Anthony Amico brought up a good point, too. He was kind of like, well, you know, in my experience as coaching, like generally it's a lot easier to throw together an offense and build offensive continuity than it is to, uh, on the defensive side and that there's a lot more blown coverages and, you know, like guys are out of place and, you know, that impacts the game a lot more. and It's a lot harder to get together in a shorter period of time. And, you know, I trust the guy who 
like that. And I think that it makes sense. Um, you know, I'm not going to be going uh, balls deep week one um, over, you know, his, his evidence and, you know, JJ's take here relating back to 2011, but I think it's notable and, you know, it's definitely not going to scare me away from taking overs on week one games that I already like. I agree with that. Uh, he does the great JJ Zacharyson does make a good point though. You recall back to 2011 and in the first 12 practices, the moment players returned to the field, there were actually 10 ACL tears. This year, there were a number of ACL tears, but more importantly, there are a bunch of soft tissue injuries. And we'll talk about those players that are questionable or have lingering injuries coming to the game day uh, when we reach those particular matchups. But in this case, I've actually, like Connor, have changed my opinion. I was worried at first, but I've heard from enough people that I believe have extremely smart opinions that are smarter than me even um, discussing why we should be higher on overs for this week. And so I'm not saying every game is going to be over, but I am saying I have opened up to the idea where I have hard takes, as we'll get into, on overs and unders. And that's all I want. I want educated leans in both directions, and I think we have that tonight. Love it. Love it. Totals, I think, are um, it's always one of my favorite markets to get into, too. So I think it's a really exploitable market, especially as we now have more opportunities out there to be able to shop different books, team totals, as you get into the weekend, when those numbers start to get posted, you're starting to see them already in books and those are definitely exploitable too. So excited to unpack it. Uh, we also want to let you know that we've increased the ways that you can consume, move the line this season. Um, you can always find us on podcast form. Maybe you're doing that currently iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Simplecast. please rate and review on iTunes. Really appreciate that. Helps keep it free. Let's other people find us out there too. Um, we'll be streaming live each week on four for fours Periscope as well. Doing that now. Uh, Connor and I have faces for radio, but Daigle is a strikingly handsome SOB. Not true. Not true. You're going to want to check that out. Uh, we're going to be running. I'm wearing screen. Evan Silva's two XL shirt. So that's not true <laughs> at all right now. Life is a disaster. Looks like a small uh, child. So you're going to want to run that back. Uh, we're running it on Twitch and YouTube as well. So, um, come take a look at this beautiful man. Um, and we're going to jump into it. Finally. Finally. Week, week one, first game. Let's kick it off. We got the Packers on the road in Minnesota, spread at two and a half in Minnesota. Uh, total here between 45 and a half, 46 at some places. This is, uh, this is a, a division really that projects to be really tight. Uh, if it's going to be tightly contested like we think it is, these ones, even though it's week one, they're going to matter. Uh, they go a long way in deciding the outcome here. Green Bay won both matchups last year. Both games went under the total. Connor, I know you were not on Green Bay this season. Um, I'm not on Minnesota this season. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on this one. Yeah, I generally I, I hated breaking down these games last year because um, you know, like I thought I feel like the Pat, Packers have a very clear weakness, which is their run defense. They didn't really do much to address that in the offseason either. Um, I mean, last year they were um, dead last in rushing success rate allowed, 21st in explosive run rate allowed. And, I mean, we saw that in the playoffs they got absolutely trampled by a good running team. Um, and then in their um, first meeting against the Vikings last year, allowed 154 yards to Dalvin Cook. Given one of that came on a really long run, I mean, it was like a 75-yard touchdown. But still, he was doing all right the rest of the game as well. Um, so I really do think that that's probably going to be kind of the key of how this, this game turns out here, whether, you know, Dalvin Cook's going to have success 
Uh, I hate saying that, you know, the running game is going to matter, but I think in this one, it's probably, you know, the biggest advantage for the Vikings here. Um, so, but in terms of the rest of the game, I just, I don't have a great feel for, you know, how these teams are going to look in general. I think the Packers are really volatile. Um, so, you know, while I do like they're under on their win total at like nine and a half and, and, you know, 10 in some spots earlier on, uh, and this one, I think that it's going to be a close enough game that they're kind of live to be, you know, to outright win. I just think it's going to be back and forth and, you know, maybe in, not necessarily in a scoring standpoint, but maybe a punting standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's going to be a really close game. So I don't have any bets on this one in particular, but um, I could really see either team winning here. Maybe some Dalvin Cook, Cook props to be interested in. Really depends on what the markets open the number at, because I, I think that's their biggest advantage. I think they're going to ride that as long as they can. I actually agree with all that uh, because I don't have a lean on either team total. Like I think it helps Rodgers and the Packers offense that Daniil Hunter, who has, I mean, you just hear this stat, 29 sacks over the last two seasons. That's immense. The fact he's missing now, yes, they traded for Yannick Ngakwe, but again, Yannick Ngakwe is literally going to run out into the field with about 10 days of practice in an entirely new defensive scheme. So he's not someone I'm worried about too much early in the season. Um, but again, so the Vikings run out an entirely different secondary. They basically trash the nickel package they had last year and bring in a bunch of young corners and Hughes, Holton Hill, uh, rookie Jeff Gladney, who I am a fan of, but not in this week in particular. And you look at the Packers side of the offense and it's the same exact receivers that allowed Devontae Adams to have a 31% target share the moment he returned from injury for the rest of the season last year. So we like Adams, prop bets there. If you can find discounts across books, if you're line shopping, I do like Dalvin Cook, like Connor said. I was doing rankings early at Roto World and because I have my weekly rankings there, and he's my RB3 in fantasy for this week in particular. But other than that, uh, I hope you have something new because I don't have a good lean on a side or a total. I, you, I like everything you said. I am on Adams. We want Adams props for sure. I think this is a great spot for him. I like the Packers. I think this is a um, such a, re- a good opportunity to take advantage of that secondary. Uh, you mentioned Gladney, Mike Hughes. I mean, and they're just – it's a really poor matchup for them. They'll be able to run. I know they want to establish the run. Both these teams do. So I, I lean under on the game total. But I think the Packers' money line is just a, the way I would attack this game. I think that if you can get plus 130s I've seen out there, plus 125, I think, at DK, um, I'd be interested in that for sure. This this feels kind of like the game where, you know, like A.J. Dillon scores like two touchdowns mm-hmm. and gets like four carries, you know what I mean? And like they, they're running the ball a ton, even though they have, you know, significant plus matchups in the secondary. So, yeah, I mean, I, this game is just for me kind of more of a stay away. I have a lot, you know, stronger takes than some of the other games. And even in that instance, like Jamal Williams not getting cut, I do fear he's still going to be involved. Um, yep. Maybe not a high touch rate, but a snap rate. He's the kind of guy he stole literally touches inside the 10 from Aaron, from Aaron Jones last year. And so AJ Dillon could be involved, but my fear is that worst case scenario, all three are getting touches. And so that's why it's kind of hard to even lean on either Dillon or Jamal Williams in this instance. Yeah. That's going to be annoying all season. I think that's just going to be why everyone was staying away from, from Jones I think he was a value at the end of the second round in draft seasons, and but I, I think it's just going to be annoying all season long. I still yeah. think that we talked about that a lot in our in our previews. I think the Packers can both regress 
it's obviously not a 13 win, uh, you know, 13 win football team, but I think they can regress and still win this division. Not what's, a release, what's not funny is that I think the, the Vikings offense regresses as well. I just don't see it happening in week one. Like the Vikings at, uh, threw the sixth most or sixth fewest pass attempts last season. And I do expect that to regress long term. But in week one, I just don't see a scenario here where it does. Like Rodgers in particular has averaged over the last two years 226 yards and one touchdown against this team. Like Zimmer has his number. And so really outside of Devontae Adams, I'm just not sure who, if anyone, to target. I should also say, by the way, outside of Adam Thielen, who also think is like a stud, uh, who will probably not lead the league in targets, but he's going to be a dark horse to do so because there is genuinely no one else to throw to after they even announced BC Johnson as a starter over Justin Jefferson. How uh, would you think the prop line for Thielen catches is Connor? Like in this one, um, yeah. I probably like six, um, six, and, six a half. and a half is what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. that, that makes sense. I would still lean over if it said anything below six, I'll be taking the over immediately. Um, which I could see. I mean, there was definitely some, I mean, with digs, there were some fives, fives and a half for Thielen last year. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, Daigle, Daigle summed it up pretty well. I think that that'll, that'll be something we should look to take advantage of if the markets don't react, you know, right away. Yeah, six and a half was what popped in first for me. So that checks out. Definitely worth shopping as we get closer to the weekend. All right, another uh, NFC North matchup here to start. We get the Bears on the road against the Lions. Lions three-point favorites here at home. Totals 44. Seeing some action on both of those numbers climbing up here. Um, Chicago won both matchups last year. Stafford was not a part of either of those contests. Um, the concepts of sunk cost continues to elude Ryan Pace and the Bears. They are doubling down with MVP Mitch, running it back. Uh, running back situations for both teams, really dicey here as well. But uh, we know the Matt Stafford, Daryl Bevel combo last year was really exciting when it was a thing. So a little different pace from the Lions moving on from Jim Bob Cooter. So I think there's optimism here in this offense. They've been a pretty buzzy team in the offseason. This could be an interesting game. What do you think, Daigle? Oh, uh, I hope Connor's on board here. I was hoping you'd go to him first because <laughs> I, actually, I actually have a strong lean on the over, a very oh, strong cool. lean. Uh, so last yep. year in particular – so, oh, yeah, let's start with the Bears because I know everyone is worried about Trubisky to start with. But Trubisky and good matchups was actually good last year. Uh, six contest. I researched against bottom half DVOA defenses and Trubisky averaged 21.8 fantasy points in those six games in particular against the lions who were a bottom half DVOA defense, 19.7 and 27.9 fantasy points in the two contests against them. Also remember the last six games Trubisky started, he averaged five and a half rushes. He averaged under two carries per game and the starts before that. They basically just changed the way he played. And in fantasy and over props and over totals, we want that quarterback rushing juice because it extends plays. And so you factor in those numbers. You add in the fact the Alliance actually allowed the most plays per game to opponents last year. And the, that David Montgomery is probably going to be limited and they don't have another 15 carry back on that team. They only transition to pass catching running backs and Tariq Cohen and Cordero Patterson and Ryan Null, who's basically just a transition tied in. So all of that plus Trubisky splits plus uh, indoors in Ford field. I love a sneaky over here. Love it. 
Love the over here. What do you got, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to agree so much, and I, I just feel like we might be doing a lot of that this episode. I mean, like, you know, you said it best here. The last three times the Trubisky's played Detroit, he smashed um, three touchdowns in every game. They've won every game. I think the Bears are live here. I mean, Detroit swapped out Slay for Okuda, but, I mean, he's a rookie, like, we, and we don't really even know how good he is. He's, he's projecting to be awesome, and it's a good future move, but, you know, do we know in week one, is he going to be ready to go and be a stellar corner? We have no idea. Um, and so, I mean, last year, 27th passing success rate allowed, 27th in explosive pass rate allowed. Um, yeah, I like the over here. I think the Bears team total, if you can get a 20 over that, is very much in play. Right now it's like projected to be like 20 and a half, something like that. Um, but, yeah, so I like the team total over there. How we attack this, I'm not entirely sure. It'll probably be that, like that over. I, the player props are a little bit murky because of, you know, maybe the target share with Robinson and Miller and, you know, the backfields for both teams are kind of gross. Um, like Adrian, you know, Adrian Peterson is probably going to see way more touches than we would like. Um, who knows how much carry on or DeAndre Swift plays. I feel like we're just so in the dark about that, you know, because then you got DeAndre Swift barely practicing. And then you have carry on Johnson saying, oh, I can't even move my knees like DeAndre Swift can, or like, you know, my hips, like none of this really adds up to either of those two seeing much work and potentially a large workload for Adrian Peterson, but definitely not going to stake money on that. Um, so yeah, I think that for me, it's probably just the over probably staying away for most props in this one, actually, to be honest. Um, it's, it's Anthony Miller did scorch the lions cornerbacks in the slot last year in week 13 when they played each other. But I want to be clear. It's not just the slot. It is literally the same exact slot corner, Justin corner that Anthony Miller tagged for nine catches and 140 yards. So literally the same situation. That doesn't mean like, you know, when a Millie maker go out and only stack Trubisky and Anthony Miller and ignore Allen Robinson. But again, this game 44 is far too low because the hate for Trubisky and there is warranted hate for Trubisky, but we just said why you should ignore recency bias and everything else adds to this going, going over. Just, just for a week, you know, maybe we don't know about the rest of the season. Well, to be fair, this the, week, you know. Trubisky <laughs> plays the Giants in week two. So I don't want to back oh. off too much. Yeah, okay. I, I have to look ahead for the waiver wire on Roto World, but I'm just saying this week one. Yes, let's get ready. The Trubisky MVP betters were, you know, a year too late, Daigle. I don't know about that either. <laughs> They're probably correct. Uh, we got to play a uh, $3,400 Coriel Patterson at, at receiver this week in DFS, <laughs> don't we? Four running backs. You know, just throw Cordell in there. Good to go. I'm I'm interested in the Lions passing game in particular. So the Bears play a lot of man press coverage. Um, Marvin Jones in particular, Kenny Galladay, not too much further behind, both outstanding against man and press coverage in their career. Um, I think they both have really good games. I'm very interested in some uh, some Stafford props to kind of back the over in this game, especially on the Lions side. So. Maybe a, a market I'm looking for. Connor, do you have a lean on either Lions receiver? My thing is if we expect the Bears to go over their team total, we have to run it back with somebody or perhaps have a lean towards one of them. And I do like Galladay just because he does get the deep targets. He gets the red zone targets over Marvin Jones. But uh, Marvin Jones, over the last 16 games, with Galladay on the field and Matthew Stafford healthy, has literally seen the same exact number of targets. You stole that stat from me, by the way, no, not, not the other way around. No, I, I tweeted it in June. I tweeted it in June. That. Okay, that's fair. I believe you. I looked it up yesterday. Our research is <laughs> – all right, I'm sorry. 
Uh, I'm living with Evan Silva, in case for those who listening don't know. And, and is your housemate chirping uh, over there? Yeah, housemate is chirping. Oh, man. Right we both had the same research and we didn't realize it. So, <laughs> oh man, um, no. But in terms of like a receiver, I don't really, I don't really have a lean. Remember, like, okay, last season, you know, it was like midway through the season, everyone was on Galladay. Like, you know, all the stats pointed towards his wide receiver cornerback matchups. So like, oh, Galladay is going to explode. Marvin Jones goes goes out and scores like three touchdowns, and Galladay sees like six targets, but has like you know fifty yards, forty yards, something like that. Um, I think that that is very much in play here. And I, I hate banking on, you know, either one right now. I just think that both are in a good spot to succeed here. So yeah, maybe some Stafford props. I have no idea what the number is going to be set at though. That's, that's a, a one that I don't really have much of a gauge on. That's fair. I've already bet the over. I just want to make it clear for the listeners. <laughs> I have my own money on it. So like, I don't want to mislead anybody. I'm personally yeah. betting it. Perfect. Same. Love it. Outstanding. All right. So we've got another divisional matchup here with the Colts on the road in Jacksonville. Uh, this one's been moving to um, seven and a half, eights, eight and a half, even out there too. So obviously shop where you can get 45. We're seeing for the total of most spots. Um, man, Jags going to be bad. They are clearly punting the season. Colts are, have been on the move all off season. Very buzzy team made some good improvements on both sides of the ball. We know they want to be a run centric team. Smash mouth, probably one of the best offensive lines in the league. And we know we have a, Obviously, an awful Jacksonville everything. So um, this one seems like a gross stay away game. Just seems a little too high for me to lay more than a touchdown on the road, even though Jacksonville is that bad. So kind of a stay away. Don't have too many leans. What are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I would like it at seven. You know, I would definitely lay the seven for the Colts. Um, I just think that there's like a significant advantage, and you know, this is something we talk about pretty often. It's when you know you have a team that wants to run the ball or wants to pass the ball and they're going against a matchup where they're going to have a lot of success doing that. And there's not really a whole lot the other team can do about it. I think that, you know, this is something we could take advantage of and it's not necessarily factored into the market. Um, and so for me um, like this, you know, the Colts team wants to run the ball. They have a great offensive line. They're going against a Jacksonville team, 28th last year, rushing success rate, 26 and explosive rushing success rate allowed. They're going to be again, terrible at defending the run and I mean, terrible all over, but we know that the Colts are going to be able to attack them there. So I really think this sets up well for both Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. I'm interested to see what those numbers come out at. And, you know, kind of like last year, the 49ers backfield, when they were in a good matchup, I was, I was not scared to take the overs on both, like both players, because oftentimes it's set at like 40 yards. Um, and I think this team easily, you know, rushes for over a hundred uh, combined between, you know, Mack and Jonathan Taylor. So uh, I'm interested to see what that's released at, but for me, that's, you know, going to be a key to success for, for Indy and kind of how they just score points and steamroll the Jags. I think they're just going to really be able to do whatever they want though, to be honest. I just, you know, for, for me, it just makes a lot more sense for them to take the ball out of river's hands and kind of execute the game plan that we've seen um, over the past year. Um, are you on board with that Daigle or are you, are you think they're going to come out just like chucking it? No, I mean, that's why I even worry. And I've had, a sh- I've struggled ranking Gardner Minshew in fantasy because I know he averaged over five carries per game in his first 10 starts before he got benched for Nick Foles last year. But at that same time, the Colts had a concerted game plan. They had 36 and 27 carries and their two games against the Jaguars last year because they knew exactly how to beat them. And all they did in the offseason was trade up for a second round running back, like the most elite running back since Saquon Barkley with worst hands. So <laughs> I think it's going to be the same thing. 
and even uh, DFS sites don't know how to gauge it because Marlon Mack is more expensive on FanDuel, but Marlon Mack is cheaper on DraftKings. So everyone's just confused. But I think both are valuable commodities in fantasy. I think both player pops are worth gauging. And I think you have to weigh in your mind that, remember, if Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor get the same amount of touches from the same scheme, Jonathan Taylor's more explosive. So he can be more productive. So if his props are lower than Marlon Mack, it's probably worth taking advantage of betting his props because they're just different because he's just the better overall player. And we expect him to get loads of second half touches. Friend of the show, uh, Adam Chernoff actually did a write up on this. Um, oh, the great Adam Chernoff. Yeah, uh, so. I, I look at all of his content, by the way. Happy, happy you're here. Yeah. Adam. Yeah, it's awesome stuff. So, I mean, he actually wrote about this. I read this article earlier today, and it's something that I've looked at a bunch too with Colts versus Jags. That's up for an equal or bigger blowout than Ravens versus Dolphins week one last season. Um, I mean, that that would be quite the impressive feat for them to live up to, but I, I'm on board here. I think that this really sets up well for for the Colts here against the Jags. Yeah, I mean, obviously got to see what Phillip Rivers is and what uh, how that starts to look in that, that offense. It's built around what he likes to do well. Um, you know, that short passing game, they have a lot of those options. You can use, you know, Paris Campbell. He has that Mike Williams on the outside with, with Michael Pittman. I'm excited to see what that offense starts to look like. So I'll be interested to see that prop market and the running backs. I'll probably stay away and wait, uh, but I'll definitely be interested to see. It's obviously a massive one with how their schedule lines up all season. We want to be interested in, in that, uh, that backfield for sure. Sorry, go for it. No, I was just going to say, and to be clear, I'm not messing with Michael Pittman. I have high hopes for him long-term as a prospect. But in week Same. one, I think we just need to to find out because they've already said he's going to be the island X receiver. And I worry about him on shortened reps in a shortened offseason trying to separate against the league's best corners. Not that the Jags have the league's best corners, but I just worry about him against league competition to get started. So uh, T.Y. Hilton, of course, you're still high on. And Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. Um, you know, Philip Rivers, perhaps, but I still worry that this game, like Sharonoff said, is such a blowout that they can just confidently run. And their, of course, backup running game is just so much better than the rest of the leagues. Exactly. Um, I mean, another one that I'm keying in on potentially would be like Chris Thompson receptions. I'm interested mm-hmm. in that, like, you know, kind of see where that comes out at. Um, I mean, there's a chance that it's set way too high, but you know, Indy allowed the most receptions to running backs last year, 109 Jacksonville figures be playing in, you know, massive negative game script, the Jags, you know, like have James Robinson, you know, starting at running back, who knows how that's going to turn out. Um, but quote unquote starting. Exactly. I I think Chris Thompson plays a fairly sizable role, especially when they're playing from behind here. Um, how much volume they're actually going to have because of how much they're able to sustain drives is questionable, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, four, five, six, seven, even dump off to Chris Thompson throughout the game. Um, so we'll see if we can, we can catch a soft line on Thompson in week one. Um, but that, that's something I'm paying attention to for sure. All right. Next game has the Raiders on the road in Carolina. Uh, Raiders two and a half point favorites here. Total of 47 and a half. This is the easiest game on the Raiders schedule until like November. <laughs> so uh, not a must win per se. But it's going to get really bad. It's a must uh, win from here on out. Um, yeah, and you know Carolina, a lot of turnover on that team outside of CMC and and DJ Moore, um, new head coach, new OC, basically an entire new defense. They spent all of their draft capital in April on the defensive side of the football. Um, it is going to be a lot to ask of them on the jump. But I'm interested to see what your thoughts are here, Daigle. 
Yeah, uh, as Connor said, it is absolutely a must-win because from week two on, the Raiders have the toughest schedule based on Vegas season win totals. Week one is a freebie. After that, you're looking in fantasy to trade those players high. You're looking to bet against them on the on the open markets. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can accomplish in this game. But my belief is that although there is uh, opportunity for Derek Carr to run wild here, it's just a Josh Jacobs game. I mean, the Panthers last year allowed the most rushing yards the most rushing touchdowns in the league, and they didn't get better. They're rolling out literally the youngest defensive unit in the entire league. And so what we spent our entire offseason arguing about Josh Jacobs' third down passing role, which <laughs> I don't think he has still to this day. But it doesn't. It doesn't matter, though, Correct. in this one game. Absolutely I'm st- right. I'm still concerned about the trends of the Raiders traveling cross-country, honestly. Um, I'm concerned about game-planning rookies as it's not only Henry Ruggs, who is explosive, and I think we'll see a high target share, but I'm worried about getting uh, Brian Edwards involved as an every-down player, which is what he's become now that Tyro Chowder Williams is out. Because Bri- Byron Edwards, the easy c- comp is Debo Samuel, since he played behind Debo Samuel as a junior in college. But he is Debo Samuel. Like 75% of his production um, in his final year in college came prior to 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. He's a, like Dio Samuel, a rushing wide receiver. I'm just worried that they're trying to do too much in week one and they won't know how to integrate these guys immediately. And again, this one matchup is the only time they have to do that for the next eight games. So I still I still like Josh Jacobs no matter what. I still like the Panthers offense who, Jay Brady, uh, Joe Brady, I'm excited to get Connor's take on this because if Dennis Daly, the starting left guard, is out, Joe Brady even proved at LSU and said beforehand that he only, what he does for protection, he doesn't pack the box if he's worried about pass rush. He still does a five-man protection and just adds more receivers to get the ball out quicker, which means more targets for McCaffrey, more targets for Curtis Sant, more carries for Curtis Samuel as well, and DJ Moore and Ian Thomas being involved at all. So like if their starting left guard is out, whereas we typically handicap the market to count for missing offensive linemen because they're important. I don't think that's the case with the Joe Brady offense. I actually think we should see more plays, although they may be shallower, more plays. And against this defense, that's something I want. So uh, I want to hear Connor's take on the situation. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think this is like your, you know, your DFS sneaky overplay of the week yeah. where, you know, like both these teams just blow up. Um, like, you know, Ian, Ian Hart had said it well today. I'm pretty sure it was. It was like, you know, how many times do you simulate this game for Josh Jacobs to run for 300 yards against the Panthers defense? Um, you know, like I think that it's like he could realistically just explode against this defense, which is, I mean, potentially like the league worst. Like I don't even like they could potentially be there. We just don't know yet because they have so many new faces. Um, and this, this Raiders defense, I don't think is very good either. So that's kind of nope. the issue is that like, they're not good either. It really is just going to be a lot, uh, you know, pointing to the offenses here and whether they can step up. In terms of attacking, you know, the player props in terms of like Carolina, I'm like the pass catchers I'm waiting and seeing. I think that there's a better chance than most people are anticipating that the targets are spread out a little bit more evenly to guys like Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, um, or they're just being involved a little bit more um, than they were last year. So, I mean, I th- this is still a great spot for DJ Moore and still, I think, a, a sneaky spot here for Curtis Samuel to get involved. 
but it's kind of something that in a binary prop market, I'm not super excited to take right away. Um, and that I kind of want to see their roles develop a little bit more with so much turnover, like you guys said. And it's it's not necessarily a situation I've been fading because, you know, I'm not like, you know, I don't want to fade a situation with, um, you know, Wonder Kid Joe Brady coming in and, you know, Matt Rule and like Teddy Bridgewater played really well last year. Like they have a lot of really great things going for them, but there's so much projection with the Panthers and those that scares me. Like when there's just a lot of projection and nothing that's already happened. Um, it's difficult for me to, you know, comprehend right away. And, you know, maybe some people can project that well, but that's always a situation that where there's a lot more volatility than, you know, most people are expecting going in. So that's for me, that's kind of like a wait and see thing. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, Karen, Carolina team total, it's looking at like probably like 22, 22 and a half. Uh, I wouldn't mind the over there. Uh, I think that, you know, they're able to put up like 23, 24, you know, kind of as a minimum with a chance both teams go over 30. The team total, in my mind, is the way to go for betting. And DFS, I think the game stack is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Team totals are, yeah, team totals. Bang them. Um, I like, but in this situation, I think it's kind of a high tide, raises all ships situation. They carry each other both over the total itself. So very comfortable getting in on that. And there's some adjusted markets too. If you're even confident, move it through some key numbers, you can get some, some decent plus money on the other side. So definitely interested. And I think Connor made a good point. I would probably attack this game in the total market. I think he makes good points around the props, specifically with Carolina passing game. I think maybe we wait and see. I think we all expect them to do well, but as far as someone emerging and really being able to to single out on their over is going to be tough. That's the thing in the props market is that uh, everyone is scared of ambiguity because that of course means you're betting into the unknown, but you're betting into the unknown for a reason because it's volatile. Uh, that means you could also hit as easily as you could miss. And one of three receivers is going to explode in this game. We don't know which one. And if the odds allow for it, then just bet all three and most likely you're going to come up anyhow. I think that's the, that's the big if is like what, what they float the number at. Like, you know, if they exactly, like yeah. 30 Samuel at like 30 yards, you know, like I'm going to take the over. Like, I think of that's course. like, and I yeah. think that's very possible is they put them at like, you know, 40 yards or like 35 yards, something like that. Um, and, and those are going to be things that I'll be looking for. I mean, the, the props should be released like Friday night, Saturday morning is what most United States sports books have been uh, gearing towards. Yeah. All about the price. But I think that's a good point, Daigle. And I think actually, to our point earlier, if we're being honest, if we think that this game is going over, we think that we can even strip down and go, hey, Carolina specifically over, probably two out of the three at least are probably going to perform pretty well even. So, you know, if you're thinking two of the three are going to hit laying all three, you're kind of self, you're hedging a little bit too. So not a bad way to look at that. All right, we'll move on to the AFC East. This is what we typically call the corner TV game, the Jets at the Bills, uh, spread here six and a half on Buffalo. Total lowest on the entire slate, 39 and a half. Uh, they split their two matchups last year. Both went under the total, uh, 39 and a half, like I said, lowest on the slate here. What are your thoughts on, on this one, Daigle? Uh, my concern for this game is that the Bills get to an early two score lead and thus it doesn't even get over. So I hope one of you have a good bet on the over because the Jets' corners are. Even more so than Carolina. And Carolina oh. runs out one of the worst corners room in the league. I mean, just trying to add, bless you on Austin, cover Stephon <laughs> Diggs is an absolute mess. Uh, yeah. So I'm worried about the pace in this game in particular. And more so, I'm worried about the the Jets carrying their weight if you're betting the over. 
Like, I do love Chris Herndon in fantasy long term. I like him in this game to have a high target floor, but it's only because we can't trust Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims if they even play off of soft, tif- soft tissue injuries throughout camp. And so with those two guys, Jameson Crowder and Herndon, as the only two viable players that Sam Darnold can trust against a stout Bills defense, which looks healthy to start week one, um, I'm worried about the over for sure. And by the way, that includes Josh Allen. Um, he's going to ex- he's going to be fine. He's going to have a high floor, right? But I actually do worry the pace of the game. Like he won't exceed expectations, if only because this will be such a damn breaking for the Bills' offense and Bills' game script in particular. In particular, what are your thoughts on this one, Connor? No, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm staying away from you know the over. I think that my play here is just the Bills and anything under under a touchdown you should smash. Um, sure, I think that you know Chernoff brought up the the Ravens Dolphins Week One last season. This is my pick to be the Ravens Dolphins uh, game from you know for this year. This Jets. Jets team, it just looks like a disaster heading into the season. No offensive line continuity. Their pass catchers are mostly banged up, like you mentioned. Um, I mean, they had the number one run defense, but their pass defense was average. Then they got rid of Jamal Adams. Like you said, they're going to be really bad. Um, I mean, and then if you're reading into some of the reports and like their scrimmages, there were multiple days in practice where the Jets' first team offense would score no points on six drives against their second team defense, and their second team uh, offense would dominate the starting defense and just light up points. Like those kinds of things are warning signs for me. I mean, I think that in this one with the Bills really just rounding into their own, they win by 10 plus easily. I'm interested in some alternate Bills lines, like maybe minus nine and a half, Ooh. minus 13 and a half. Um, and looking last year, I think the Jets team total unders in play at 17 and a half. They scored 16 and 13 against the Bills last year. Um, I mean, I've, I'm completely fading this Jets team. I took under six and a half wins. I took them even. 14 to one to be the worst team in the league. I think that there is, you know, catastrophic downside for this team that is not fully baked into the market yet. Um, also, you know, free pick for week two, 49ers minus five and a half and now minus six at DraftKings against the Jets. Um, oh. That's going to, that's going to close above seven. I will, you know, be wagering anything that you would like to come at me that it will close above seven, especially after the Bills just absolutely manhandled the Jets in week one. And to be clear, uh, the Jets, finished 25th in pace of play so seconds per play when they were trailing by more than a touchdown last year so and we expect them to do that so the game slows down and that's why i worry about josh allen for fantasy as well yeah absolutely love it Uh, i love the the adjusted lines on that one connor um and that 17 and a half that half those are some of the numbers that you can get you know 17 would be a key number in the team total market so having that half on your side is definitely something to exploit for sure. That'll be uh that'll be a number that I have. Also um, some player props, Crowder, Herndon receptions over. Maybe I think Crowder saw like, I mean, that was his week one game last year. Right? He said like what's 14 receptions or something last year. He had um, 27 targets in the two matchups. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's just going to be, I think that's going to be exploitable. It'll probably be set around like it'll be set too low. It'll be like five, five and a half hit the over there. Um, and then, Sam Darnold under, uh, I mean, I think he's gone under 200 yards in both meetings. It'll be set around 220, 225, I'd bet. Um, so I like the under there. Jets under team total. I mean, um, you'll find me find me on the edge of my building once Sam Darnold throws an 80-yard touchdown like three times. But um, I'm, I'm here for it. I think that I think there's no shot. I think he's going to be seeing ghosts all game. 
There, there are a lot of people who don't believe in like James and Crowder, but in Sam Darnold's 13 starts last year, he was actually PPR wide receiver 11 overall in fantasy because Darnold was the one he had chemistry in. Like you just have to throw the Luke Fox of the world out the window. Like forget about those three games that Darnold didn't start. So uh, yes, I, I do like Crowder markets if you're getting the right number for sure. All right. Uh, next we have uh, Seattle. Uh, on the road against the Falcons. Uh, this one's moved a little bit over a couple months. Obviously, week one markets have been bet into quite a bit, obviously. Have Seattle here, minus one, total at 49. We all want to see it. Um, we're all ready for it. I think we're all kind of sick of talking about it, but we need to know if Seattle is going to let Russ cook. We're going to have a little bit more fourth quarter Russ earlier in the game. Um, if it is, that's something I want to be a little bit early on. And this is a team I want to be betting against when you know this stuff happens. This Falcons defense is terrible. Secondary is awful. They reached in the draft to try to bolster the secondary. Um, and I'm just not sure that it, it's going to be enough. This is a team I'm, I'm definitely shorting for the season. What are your thoughts here, Dago? So to be clear, because I know some people don't understand what we're even talking about is that uh, in the fourth quarter in particular, like Russ averaged over eight yards per attempt. And the issue is on early downs, first and second, in the first half, which is when teams should throw. Warren Chopper has proved this to us the past two years in his terrific season outlook preview book that I purchase every single season. Outstanding. Uh, the Seattle offense ranked with the sixth lowest passing rate in that situation, early downs in the first half despite averaging eight yards per attempt, the fifth most yards per attempt in those situations. This is the first offseason, though, that Russ actually stood up for himself and said, hey, maybe we should be doing the more efficient thing more. And this is the first offseason that Schottenheimer kind of hinted towards, hey, maybe we should be trying to be a better offense, right, as opposed to establishing the run. And so for fantasy and DFS in particular, I think it is a good situation to buy low. Like, Buying low on Russ is relative because he's still going to be like the fourth fourth highest rostered quarterback and game stack on DFS this week. But if they let Russ cook, that should be the quarterback that's a cash game play and the highest owned on the roster on every single slate. So I, I do like the over. Actually, we're not worried about Atlanta's corners and overdrafting AJ Terrell as opposed no. to adding CD Lamb to the mix. Uh, we're not worried about Dan Quinn's defense, which has struggled to even finish in the top 16 of DVOA defenses the past three seasons. So I I love the Seahawks offense. I love the Falcons to rebuke and uh, throw back at them as well. I just love this total in general. Yeah, I, I think if we're going to buy into that thought at the top of the show around offensive continuity and offenses being able to exploit defenses early in the season – there's enough continuity on this team for me to think that from buying into that as a, as a thought this week, this is a team I want to buy into that against. And yes, I mean, I think it's coming back the same way. No pressure from Seattle last year. They, I think were one of the lowest three teams in the league in pressure rate, uh, quarterback hit rate. And now we have, I think Atlanta is returning their entire offensive line. So they have some continuity on their side too, offensively, obviously with Julio and Calvin Ridley. So this is another game where I think that's just kind of the perfect storm for the over market. Yeah, no, I mean, 
you guys, I think the way that I'm attacking it here is going to be through Seattle's team total. I think that you're looking at like 25, 26. That's too light. Like it should be 27, 27 and a half. Yeah. Um, and so I'll be, I'm going to be in the over there for sure. And anything less than, you know, 27, 20. It's amazing how many teams land right on 27. Honestly, I feel like a lot of times when I was taking right at 26 and a half, 26, you know, guys, were, teams were landing, even though they like outperformed or like performed really well, you know, they were landing right on that's 27. Um, and so, yeah, I like this spot a lot. I think it's, it's a smash spot for a lot of the reasons you guys said. Um, my only concern would be, you know, maybe Atlanta can't keep up um, just because there are a lot of concerns just in, in general with the team. But, uh, I mean, I see Matt Ryan throwing all day. I think that the Ridley market will be interesting. Uh, he performed extremely well last season down the end of the road, especially, you know, it's correlated with Mohamed Sanu's departure. Um, and so I'm expecting big things from him this season. It's going to be a really narrow target tree. Um, it's literally just going to be Ridley and Julio. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident in both of them, you know, doing well, but the issue is Julio's markets is it's gonna be like 90 and a half receiving yards. You know, I'm not, I'm not really going to be betting that. Um, whereas Ridley, you might be able to get like a 60, um, or 65. Um, so who knows on that, you know, but that's something I'll be looking for. And then maybe a Matt Ryan over too, if it's, if it's low, but uh, I have a feeling that'll probably be baked into the market. And to be clear, the Falcons passed the ball at the highest rate when trailing last year, and they just carried over continuity. It's the same coaching staff. It's the same players, basically, in their starting lineup. So we expect them to do that again. Will the production be there? Will they be able to keep up with the Seahawks offense if they do cook? I don't know, but they're going to try to. And so that's why, like Connor said, the the preferable lean, the smarter lean is the Seahawks team total. Uh, and then for DFS and, and sports betting, like maybe if you're betting the entire over, then you are hoping the Falcons do actually keep up. And I think the answer to the Seattle question, as far as Lockett or Metcalf, I think the answer is both. It is a very narrow target tree. They fared very well in their matchup last season. Again, we spoke to this matchup in the secondary on Atlanta's side. It just is another market that would be interesting to attack. I know we don't like touchdown props too often, but this definitely feels like a DK Metcalf touchdown game. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, take a look at that. And and remember, like uh, we all cite Tyler Lockett's like last seven games while he was battling the flu as like a fluke to not roster him in DFS or fantasy, but also despite going through that stretch where he only had, I believe 23 catches and 290 receiving yards across seven games. That's pitiful. He still finished with career high in targets and catches. And that was the first year with DK Metcalf. So that's a reason to buy both players in this game that we expect to be up tempo and high scoring. I mean, watch the, the Seahawks are just going to roll out, you know, Dusty Carlos Hyde and run him like twenty five <laughs> okay. times. Don't don't do that um, to me. Don't do we're that. just gonna we we just mush the entire game. But you know, oh. I I will be having you know a full on meltdown. I'll be sending. I'll be writing Pete Carroll letters. You know, like handwritten letters of, of hate. To be fair, you could be right, but this is week <laughs> one. Is the one week that we can bet on the opposite side because we have no evidence prior to twenty twenty. <laughs> like it's the one time they may do it. So. Yeah. It isn't totally in the range of outcomes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Just put the juju out there, though. We don't want the juju in the air. Oh, <laughs> it's, totally, it's totally in the Unless range it's of Monday outcomes. night. We don't want juju in the air. You are correct. Uh, <laughs> look at this guy out here. Uh, I like it. I, I usually have the dad jokes here. So, <laughs> Also, Silva doesn't have wine glasses, so we're drinking from regular cups, by the way. Yeah, so, I've – yeah. 
No, no comment. Are you pouring out of the decanter into regular cups? I feel I'm surprised like- oh, he has a glass is what I'm going to say. The decanter <laughs> ain't out of the box, buddy. Oh, oh come on. Just popping corks here. It's okay, then. It's you usually okay. see that uh, straight out of the bottle. We're both having a good time. Oh, man. All right. So we have a rematch here from week one of last season. We got Philly on the road against Washington. Philly minus six. Total 43 and a half. Uh, this is kind of the emergence of Terry McLaurin last year. We also had DJX torching his uh, old club. We could have a just a rematch bring back this year. What are your thoughts on this one, Daniel? Uh, historically, everyone's concerned about divisional matchups not going over, but we don't worry. Like history has even shown in the betting markets that we should not worry about that stat until the second time they play one another, whenever they're familiar with each other. So in this game, uh, I do expect the total to go over. I wouldn't say it's as strong as lean <laughs> as the Trubisky game, oddly enough, but I do like it to go over. I think there are a number of explosive players here. We should expect an entirely different, literally different offensive scheme for the for Washington, who is rolling out Scott Turner as their OCC, uh, their OC, who is the most progressive, creative, and intuitive offensive coordinator in the league and in like four years could be a head coach if all goes well like he's the one who moved Curtis Samuel to running back and yet we worry about Antonio Gibson's number of touches as undoubtedly the most explosive player on in that backfield right behind Terry McLaurin in the wide receiver core so I actually do like this game to go over especially as Philadelphia's new additions on defense transition as we talked about at the top of the show worrying about defenses getting to chemistry and to know one another and perhaps totals going over this is one they add superstars perhaps they don't catch on in week one so uh yeah i kind of like this one over for for everyone yeah i'm interested in this uh washington team i I think that uh the defense is definitely interesting connor i want to hear what your thoughts are on this one yeah i mean originally when i when i broke this down like you know, a while ago, I started looking at week one lines. I was like, oh, Philly, you know, under a touchdown, this is a good spot. Then, you know, I started digging deeper. The offensive line issues started coming up for, you know, Philly. And then, you know, we, I started looking into more like, okay, Washington's, you know, defensive line is going to be really, really good. And I think that now where we're at at this point, heading into week one, like they're going to present a lot of issues for this Philly offensive line. And that's kind of where I'm concerned about with this game. Um, if you could get Washington at a touchdown, you know, that would be awesome. Um, but for me, I think this is a stay away on the spread. The over-under, I think, is about right. You know, what Daigle said makes sense here. I think that the really the, the whole point here is that Washington's underrated. I think that, you know, yes. this is going to be more of like a, a Philly win by like three rather than, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to say that Washington is live, but if their, you know, defensive line is really getting home to Wentz and uh, Philly's pass catchers prove not to be healthy, you know, like there's good signs coming from Rager. Like he looks good heading into the weekend, um, but – you know, if he proves not to be healthy, Alshon's like, you know, basically dust at this point. Um, and Deshaun Jackson will be healthy. But, you know, I'm not sure that that's enough to will them, you know, to have a, a strong passing game here. And this Washington offense, like Dago said, I think could come out and be pretty dicey. Um, also, I think we, we need to touch real quick on the, the news, you know, that came out today about them having a running back by committee, you know, like no shit. I mean, of course, they're going to have running back. by yeah. committee. And two if they are going to have Gibson as like their, you know, CMC like player, they're probably not going to say it, you know, four days before their game, you know, like those are like just things that of course they're not going to say. So yeah, I think that Gibson props are going to be interesting. Um, I'm probably looking to see, you know, kind of like receptions, 
um, see how they use him. Uh, I know it is a little more dicey, but maybe there's some like alternative markets you get into for higher payouts um, or alternative lines where if he really explodes. Um, so I'll, I'll be looking at that. Otherwise, in this game, um, I'm not really looking to bet a whole lot, honestly. It's kind of like it seems like a trap game for Philly at this point. Uh, maybe Washington breaks out. I think, you know, the over is definitely a play like Daigle said, but for me, nothing too strong. So first of all, uh, Braden Carpenter in the chat says it's his first time here. So welcome, Braden. Thank you for joining along. Second of all, Connor has a terrific point because as I wrote in Rotor World's waiver wire column yesterday, uh, Washington now boasts five first round pass rushers, elite pass rushers, Ryan Kerrigan, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young against an offensive line that is missing left tackle Andre Dillard for a torn biceps and Brandon Brooks who opted out, which is a big deal. So that is the one concern, of course, that perhaps this game doesn't shoot out at all. But I still think this offense is good enough to both for both teams to carry their weight. And that's just because I think the market is still underweight on what Washington can do. I think they're still factoring in last year's slow attack. Whereas I'm telling you, Ron Rivera and Scott Turner have something completely different in mind. And it's something as opposed to like Josh Allen or uh, whatever in week one, I'm willing to bet on and lose because I do think it's heading in the positive direction for this team. Yeah. I, I think the number on the total is, is, Correct. Um, I think the market's probably right on there at 44-ish. I think the play is Washington. Like you said, I think Dagle made great points. The offensive line on Philadelphia side is is a little worrisome. These teams play close. It can be in kind of an ugly game to start. Continuity, not meshing. Like you said, with the injuries Philadelphia's had in this offseason here, you just don't expect them to come out and be firing at all cylinders on either side of the football. So defensively in the backfield too, they had a mesh. So Washington is very live. I would take that money line probably out there plus 200, two and a quarter ish. I think they're definitely in play. Um, Let's move on to uh, this one's going to be interesting guys. New era in new England, Miami on the road against the Patriots. Six and a half is the number 43 is the total. Um, I don't have a lot of takes here, but I'm obviously very intrigued to watch this matchup. Connor, let's talk about the Pats and Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, you know that my expectations have been sky high for this Patriots team. Um, And I think this is kind of where it's revealed here. Um, You know, Patriots and under a touchdown, I'm into. I've already bet. Um, I I like them to win by, you know, 10 or more points in this one, just being, you know, the the more dominant team. Um, And with Cam Newton, I'm really expecting a lot of, you know, a different offense entirely. Uh, I cited this on our last podcast, but I think it is important. You know, Josh McDaniels' creativity, like when he started Jacoby Brissett in 2017, like they were rolling out triple options, read options. Like Jacoby Brissett was running, you know, like these. this is going to be a completely different offense. Um, and I don't think that most people are going to be ready for it, including the Dolphins. Uh, and this Dolphins team, while I expect them to have a bright future, um, I'm just not sure that they're really ready yet. You know, like I don't think this is a team that's ready to take the next step forward. Ryan Fitzpatrick is still their starter. I mean, he's historically performed pretty poorly against the Patriots, at least the last few uh, games that he's played against him. So, you know, I'm on the Patriots here at anything less than a touchdown. Uh, I might be playing a little close. I'm, you know, I would still lean over or still lean the Pats at minus seven, but I mean, it's six and a half for me. You know, I I like the Pats here as just all around better team. And I think that Cam Newton and the offense is really going to surprise people. Dingle, where are you at here? Oh, you're muted, my man. Yeah, you're muted. Let's hear unmute, Mike. Oh, I can't unmute them. 
He chose to meet My you. fault. My fault. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I literally laugh at the olds who do that, and I just did that. It's almost Connor you. does it like every other episode. Yeah, I'm such a boomer. You know, I'm like the <laughs> the youngest boomer in history. I usually just throw <laughs> the, are, the Jeopardy theme song in there. You um, are a young boomer, Connor. I will say. Yeah. Whereas I try to have energy, but no, I'm still just a boomer. Um, no, uh, I don't have a lean. Admittedly, uh, uh, yeah, this this one's strange to me. Like, I do think the pa- Patriots roll, but like, I would say I would bet the Dolphins if either of you can name even one Dolphins pass rusher, and I have confidence you cannot. So, <laughs> I cannot. Yeah. The no. front, like the front seven, everyone knows like Calvin Noy and Landon Roberts because they brought them over from the Patriots last year. But other than that, just the Dolphins' pass rush, we all cite their offensive line is the worst in the league, which is true. But their pass rush also is just the absolute worst. And so I think there are three options: it's Cam Newton, Julian Edelman in this one game, and James White, and that's where it stops for me. Uh, people are trying to get cute in fantasy with Sony Michelle, but the reports are he will be eased in. And those are reports from people like your Jeff Howes and Mike Rice's that are just locked in, that know everything. And so we have to trust them. So uh, I expect Cam to return to form 2018 first half form immediately. And I don't see any side I want to bet even team total under or over on the Dolphins. I just don't care, honestly. This is a very pro Cam space. <laughs> you are in, in, in company here. Um, I'm, I'm, it's a stay away from me. I'm definitely watching uh, with intrigue to see how it goes. And I want to be uh, on the, on the markets and, you know, on the cam train a little bit later. One, <laughs> one, uh, yeah. One last bet that I, you know, I want to talk about here for sure. Jordan Howard. Um, I expect him to go under his rushing yards. Um, I think that, you know, if, if the Pats are, are winning by a decent amount, we're going to see a little bit more Matt Breda, um, and I just don't really think he's going to have as much volume as he normally would. And not to mention the offensive line is terrible. Like you saw, I mean, like even the goat Patrick Laird couldn't get, you know, a few yards every, every carry. Um, but for real, like, I think, you know, like it's, it's not going to be easy for Howard to, you know, have any yards here. And, you know, historically he's been just a good grinder, but I think we're going to see his yardage closer to like 40 ish. Um, and, you know, I'm confident taking the under there. I just don't think he sees the volume with the Patriots playing from ahead and the Dolphins forced to sling it a little bit, but it is worth, you know, notice like noting here, Parker's banged up. Like it doesn't seem like he's going to be hundred percent going into the season. Um, and, you know, Preston Williams might be like eased in a little bit, kind of like Sony Michelle just big coming off his ACL tear. So I don't know. Does that leave this being a good spot for Gusecki? I mean, are the Patriots like the Patriots are one of the few teams that are good at keying in on, you know, the top players of opposing teams, even though, you know, Dante Parker did shred uh, Gilmore, but, it's, I mean, it, I think this is a tough spot for me. I'm just like kind of staying off all dolphins except for just the under on uh, Howard here with the rushing yards. Yeah, I, I must say, I would think it's a good spot for Jasicki if only because uh, Devontae Parker has been injured and he's been limited at practice, but he's been practicing, but he's still been injured. And then uh, Preston Williams also, this is going to be his first game back since week nine when he suffered his torn ACL. So, like, that's why you buy into Jasicki, who should be a slot receiver. Yeah, big slot. <laughs> but again, like it's not the Patriots defense is not one you want to like bet against in week one at least. No, but they are there is some turnover there, guys opting out and mm-hmm. you know, guys leaving. They are gonna be relying on three or four rookies to really contribute. Obviously have nothing but twenty years of history of saying that that for the most part has worked. So it's hard not to be a little bit optimistic that they'll find the pieces that make it 
playable in that division. But uh, yeah, I think Miami kind of made a point at the top. I think they are on the come as an organization. Had a good draft, loaded, lots of picks. They'll do it again next offseason. But uh, I think it's a little early to bet on them to say that this is the time week one at New England. So um, stay away from me, but it should be interesting. This is another uh, matchup, divisional matchup here with Cleveland on the road against the Ravens. Uh, Ravens, eight-point favorites here, total 48.5. Cleveland won in the spot last year, which is really one of the odder outcomes of the 2019 season when you look back and kind of how the regular season played out. Um, we know that Baltimore will run. We know Cleveland wants to run. New head coach Kevin Stefanski. We're going to see probably a lot of 12 formation, uh, kind of the way they've structured their team in the offseason too with multiple running backs, lots of tight ends. Um, this one seems like it's a little high. I know we got a lot of points from Baltimore, super efficient last year with uh, you know just rolling out 30s week after week. But with the way that these teams want to play, uh, 40 and a half feels a little high. What are your thoughts on this game, Daigle? Uh, Baltimore should still roll, right? Like with Greedy Williams banged up, with we don't know what we're going to get from Olivier Vernon, from uh, Nick Chubb. Remember, like when Kareem Hunt joined, Nick Chubb dropped from being a first uh, top 10 running back in fantasy to number 17 overall because his targets per game were cut in half and Kareem Hunt became the passing down back. So it's interesting because I think it's a great spot for Lamar, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown in particular. And despite Foley being listed as the number four running back on their depth chart, (laughs) J.K. Dobbins is absolutely at least a third down back with, in my mind, Gus Edwards' touches guaranteed from week one. Um, however, we don't know how it's going to shake out with Mark Ingram. So those three, those three guys in the passing game in particular, I imagine will just rock, will roll forward. And then if you're playing DFS, you can run it back with a number of players because this is a new offense, right? It's a guessing game and you can actually leverage that information against the rest of the field. So if everyone's higher on Beckham, then you go Landry. If everyone's higher on Landry, you go vice versa. Perhaps you go Kareem Hunt. And so those are my options right there. What are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, I think Dago brought up a good point, especially with Nick Chubb. So, like, I've been talking about this a lot all offseason with, you know, there's a new coaching staff, and we don't understand and we don't actually know who is going to get what type of usage among the running backs with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt because it is a new coaching staff. Like, And they are they just signed Kareem Hunt to a new deal. Like, do they want to use Kareem Hunt as a pass-catching back plus half the early down work. I mean, that's very much in play. We could definitely see that. Do they want to use Kareem Hunt only as a pass-catching specialist? I mean, like he's a very good running back. I mean, Nick Chubb is very talented himself, but the role right now that he's in is so volatile and like trying to make, like trying to project off of what we saw last year or like, you know, like what Nick Chubb is capable of. It's just like, it's really difficult. And I think that it can just really go either way. So, you know, like, Kareem Hunt's probably going to see a good amount of pass catching usage, but beyond that, I don't think we really know like what either of their roles are going to be beyond Nick Chubb sees a good amount or some early down work and, and Kareem Hunt sees some pass down work. Beyond that, like I think there's a lot of in between, which will make up their values on a week to week basis. Um, so for me, like I'm, you know, largely staying away in this game um, from those two. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that Baltimore has a lot of success as a team. Um, like I wish that the total was a little bit lower, kind of like Newton said, um, I wouldn't mind getting them at like a team total of 28. Um, but again, like, you know, I think that I would, you know, I think that that's about right. Like, I think that 
you know, they're, they're a good bet for 30. Um, but like, you know, they could also end at 28 or 27. Like, I think there's just, it's really close. And, um, I think I, I'm just like, it's a tough situation for me to really, you know, put down a bet there. So I think for me personally, I'm just going to stay away. Baltimore's team total, which is the second highest on the entire slate, I believe, is that's the issue. It's dead. I think it's dead on at 28.2. Yeah. So if it could sneak under it, I don't think it will by Sunday, like under 28, I would hammer it. But yeah. uh, but that's about the right gauge right there. The number overall feels a little inflated, and I'm kind of with you guys on the Baltimore thing. So that would mean that I probably would be over on Cleveland's total. I just think that this is – it's a little – over the touchdown through the through the seven there is a little rich. I'm buying the Browns as a playoff team. I think that they, I think that they have talent on both sides of the ball, and I want to be on them a little bit. So I don't know that I'll make that, but it's definitely one that I um, am leaning. I'll need to take a closer look as the weekend gets uh, it gets here, especially if it starts to move. If it starts to move a little bit uh, Baltimore's way, which I could see. We know more casual betters getting in as the weekend approaches. And sometimes that action, if it's hard enough, can can move that stuff late. So um, we're taking a look at. All right. This is what I'm excited about, man. Connor has been foaming at the mouth. You got to start, you got to start with him. That's why, because he's had the right take uh, the entire time. Dagle for months, dude. On this game. Um, I told it, by the way, I told it, by the way, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, it's not even, I, I'm not dogging it at all. I think it's a, a good play. I love it. We're going to let it start with Connor. Uh, Chargers at Bengals. Uh, Chargers, three and a half point favorites here. 44 point to- total. Connor Allen. Yeah. I mean, I thought that, like, I don't even know when were week one lines released, like, you know, right after the draft, something like that, like May. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I hit the I hit the the um, Bengals here at plus three. I hit them at plus three and a half. Hit their money line. Um, I think they're very much a live dog. Um, this Chargers team now that they lost Derwin James, they have Tyrod at quarterback, who's you know proven to be a career jag. Like comparing oh, that respect. with <laughs> comparing that with the Bengals, who are very much on the rise. I mean, they have Joe Burrow is like turned in one of the best collegiate seasons ever and has had nothing but raving um, reports in camp. Um, and now he has receiving core of AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, camp MVP, Auden Tate, and, you know, four, two wheels, John Ross, you know, stretching the field, uh, like stud running back at Joe Mixon. The offensive line is not, you know, fantastic, but I think that it should be a little bit better than it was last year. Um, the big question is the defense, but, Really, is the Charger? Are the Chargers going to be able to take advantage of this defense? I'm not really so sold with you know Tyrod at quarterback, no Mike Williams. It's really just Eckler and um, Keenan Allen, and so I'm I'm thinking that you know I've had this take for a while, but I really it's just looking better and better. And you know what? All the the gambling Twitter touts like Joey Kanish, who you know been all the <laughs> mentions talking about how you know the Chargers are the lock of the century. You know what? When the Bengals win by ten, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna. <laughs> At Joey Kanish on Twitter and just say, you know what, I'll just put a little cheers sign here and have him send me some money because the Bengals are going to win this game. Um, and you know what, I'm not, I'm not even scared here. The uh, behind the scenes, if you look at our show sheet, it has listed on the Cincinnati side as a show question, <laughs> will offensive line hold up? But brother, we ain't worried about Jonah Williams, the number one PFF's number one offensive tackle and run blocking out of college, making his debut. 
We are worried about Mike Pouncey and will the Chargers offensive line hold up because we expect them to lead the league or at least compete to lead the league in rushing attempts. If you look at Football Outsiders' pace numbers from last year, it shows that no team was slower in neutral game scripts, so within six points of their opponent, than the Chargers. And it also shows that no team saw fewer combined plays per games than Chargers matchups. So not only do I agree with Connor that these offensive line issues, although those only baked into Connor's take already, he had it, and then all the factors are adding in and making it a stronger point. So I'm saying it bakes into that. Connor is correct. And then I also think all that we have right now correlates and makes it a also strong underbet. Because if the Bengals win, I don't think it's a shootout. I think they win in a abysmal, everyone trying to get right, typical Chargers game where they score 16 points and they're trying to kick a game-winning field goal and they clearly miss it because that's what the Chargers do. So I think the under correlates with the fact the Bengals will win this game. Connor's been right all along. Book it. 2017 Bengals. Yes. 2017 Bengals. Okay. So Bengals and under parlay. To the bank. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I like it. I, yeah, I want to be bullish on on Burrow and this offense. Uh, so I get it. And, you know, the Chargers, they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but there are question marks and major holes too, and injuries continue to pop up and be a problem for them. So um, it's, it's an interesting one. I probably will stay away, but I'll be uh, cheering on Connor's bet for sure. Well, for the sake of the uh, Move the Line podcast, we're all going to be watching it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Some of us will be watching it together on exactly. Sunday. Exactly. You need to like cut up every single time that I've like <laughs> talked about this, you know, and just like put it into one clip because at least I've talked about this. I don't know what like ten minutes plus at this point across all the episodes, like <laughs> the the award show and then the division preview and then you know Kanish coming on and then now easily ten minutes and it's going to cash. I'm I'm excited and. Joe Burrow is going to show out. So if if he doesn't, um, I'll be I'll be pretty pretty upset. But you know what? Uh, I'm here for it. I, it's gonna I, if they don't break out this week, it's for sure going to be coming up. Cincinnati's an underrated team, man. Michael Pittman was my uh, my Bengals Chargers, and I think your Bengals Chargers supersedes my my Michael Pittman episode reference. <laughs> it was at least three or four solid episodes of like a two minute too long Michael Pittman take. We weren't even talking about. <laughs> receivers or the Colts and they just was, yeah just came up so oh well all right <laughs> uh another game I am really interested to watch we have the uh old man bowl Tampa Bay at New Orleans New Orleans minus three and a half total 49 and a half this is going to be a another one kind of like we talked about at the top with the Packers Vikings you know we're expecting this to be a tightly contested division these are the top two dogs in this division obviously head-to-head becomes an important thing down the road when we're looking at playoff seating and things of that nature. So uh, this one matters. What are your thoughts here, Dale? I hate this game. I hate this game <laughs> so much. Uh, it's just over-talked about because both team f- defenses are actually good. The Saints returned 10 of 11 starters. Uh, the Bucks, as we know, were a passive last year, but got better over the second half of the season. And despite that, Thomas still had 114 yards and a touchdown and 180 yards and two touchdowns in his two matchups against them. So it's not like you're worried about Michael Thomas's production after he, uh, I believe he brought in, he saw 69% of the Saints wide receiver targets last year. Nice. So it's like, 
I don't know what to do with this game at all. Um, I do like the Bucks plus three and a half, if only because um, I do think their defense is the thing people aren't talking about here. But as for like team totals with Drew Brees being taken off the field for Taysom Hill, most likely with Kamara with Kamara, although he was semi-successful last year and does appear to be over his injury and over the holdout from this offseason. Um, now, like, struggling against this front seven? Like, I don't know. I I really don't have a lean genuinely on either of these team totals. We've talked on this podcast multiple times about the cuck- cuckification of Drew Brees in this uh, New Orleans offense. It's just sometimes really painful to watch. Uh, it's the re- the reason you want like Fournette and Ronald Jones and like the Bucks is not this game. Like the Bucks schedule opens up, it becomes the fourth Scott softest according to Vegas season win totals from week two on. So after this one game, so it's just like it sucks that this one game, this one hang up starts the Bucks season, especially because since it should be the biggest game of the year with like Tom Brady in a New Jersey and an indoor game. Although I just don't think it will hold up to the pace of what we're expecting. Um, as we've seen in the Superdome with the Saints. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the take here. You know, Jay Scaff over here, listener said uh, no fans in the Super Superdome. Take the hook. I mean, I'm I'm inclined to go there as well. I just don't really have too much of a take on this game in general. I mean, I think that you know, you guys brought up a lot of great points. I think the total is probably a little bit too high, but God, I'm not betting against you know. Brady and Breeze potentially. I mean, if this like, thing gets a little bit out of hand here, these you know each of those guys could easily just say, careen the game and uh, you know like 40, 30, 40 points each. And so I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch it. I mean, honestly, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much you know off this. Uh, I'm not gonna be taking any player props for this Tampa Bay team. I think it's kind of a mess. Um, I would consider a four net under if we get like the right price. You know, if you get like fifty ish sure. yards. Um, which I would not be shocked for markets to put up because, you know, there's so much hype about Leonard Fournette and all the, you know, Leonard Fournette truthers are foaming at the mouth to get down more action on their beloved, uh, you know, boy. So, um, yeah. And um, so, yeah, uh, brings up a good point here. Evans possibly out here with Hammy lean under. Yeah. I think that, you know, that the Evans Hammy, I think he's probably going to play to be honest, but, um, I think it is definitely something to look for, potentially some unders there, especially, especially if we think the game's going to go under. I think this could be a good spot to take a lot of unders. It wouldn't surprise me to see markets float these things like really high, like a lot of these totals are super high um, and trying to you know, um, get people to still keep taking the overs because they love Brady, they love Mike Evans, they love Chris Godwin, and Leonard Fournette, like all these beloved guys who I think they will have good games down the road, but I'm not sure this is the spot. So yeah, lean under a lot of what you said makes sense and probably lean under on a Fournette, maybe an Evans, depending on the price. The, the Fournette under is a really good point because they said he would play. He'd be situational. Uh, even though he said like right after that, Ronald Jones is the guy, but those things don't correlate at all. Like Ronald Jones is probably a two down back in week one with Fournette coming in situationally. And then from week two on, that's when fantasy players start salivating about Fournette's upside. So, uh, but yeah, either way, it's just, it's not the defense you want to target. It's not either defense you want to target. And that's why I'm just down on this game as a whole. Yeah. Down on this one too. One thing that I, and I want to say, thank you for the question. Thought it was a a good one. It brings up a good topic too. Um, We haven't talked about it and I think it's relevant. How, How are we pricing or how do you think the market in general has priced home field advantage into these numbers and really how, should we expect that to be this season? Obviously, with really 
barely even recognizable crowd noise. It's not going to be anything that the Colts don't do every single game of every single season anyway. Um, to really, like, what's the home field advantage like? And how is that being booked? Uh, you're baked into this this market here. What do you think on that, Connor? Yeah, I think for some instances, like, it seems like it's, like, fully baked in. And then in other instances, it seems like it's not at all. Um, maybe it's just Is that a of, buying opportunity, do you think? Should it be Should it be fully baked in, I guess, is my question. Honestly, for yeah. So, I mean, like, so, you know, the, I think a good example of this is the 49ers at the Jets in week two, you know, minus five and a half. Like, for me, on a neutral field, you know, that's, like, um, you know, a seven, eight point spread. Um, and so like, you know, assuming for home field advantage that adjusted to like a five point spread towards, um, the jets because it's on the road. So, yeah, I mean, I think that like in that instance, like, I just don't see how if they're not factoring it in, it's not at least a seven point spread in my opinion. So like, that's for me to tell. Um, but again, like, I don't, I just don't think it's that big of a factor when we look at home field advantage. I did like, a decent amount of research on this before there's a bunch of factors that like going with this. One of them is, you know, fan noise, which relates to, you know, quarterbacks getting, or like teams, you know, not being able to snap the ball. Well, a lot of crowd noise when they're trying to call audibles, things of that sort. So that's one, you know, um, part of home field advantage. Another part though, is, you know, like Daigle mentioned earlier, traveling, you know, staying away from another, from your home. Um, and then, you know, having to get up earlier, just not being really in your schedule, which is also, um, I think, you know, part of the home field advantage bit, but I think the crowd noise and like, they're not being fans is more important than the other stuff. But again, you know, really, how do you put that all into a formula and really define home field advantage? Like we have a lot of data to do that, um, over the course of Vegas, you know, and like home field advantage of, uh, like totals. But now I think we're kind of in a weird gray area that I'm not really sure how it pans out. Um, but I'm factoring in less than what the market is. Yeah, just thought it was interesting to think about. Obviously, no fans is, is a different beast, and everyone will be experiencing that. But obviously, some instances, we need to to maybe consider it into where the number is. So, all right, move on to the next game. Cardinals on the road against the Niners. Niners, seven-point favorites here. Total at 47. Arizona played really well uh, against the Niners both times last year, covering both games. Both games went significantly over the total as well. What are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I, I like, you know, Arizona at more than seven, but like, I think it's just a really efficient line um, because, you know, there, is there Arizona's that ascending team that could take the next step forward? And I think this could be the game here. The 49ers, in my opinion, we talked about in our division preview, they're bound to regress. Um, and I think that they will in a lot of areas, but I don't know. I, I, I think that the 40 or the uh, Cardinals are a lot of projection as well. So for me, I'm kind of staying off, you know, the spread. I'm staying off the total um, because, I mean, the, the the Cardinals could very easily, you know, keep this game close for a long time. And I, I, I just can't do it. And so I would say maybe my only play here would be, you know, I have two interesting spots here, player props, um, maybe take the under on a high Mostert number. Um, so I think that, you know, like if we see, uh, a Raheem Mostert number floating closer to like 65, 70 yards, I think that that's potential to take the under, um, also maybe a McKinnon reception over if you're seeing like a two or two and a half, um, which we might see, um, because, you know, I'm not sure that the markets are going to adjust for what, you know, the practice reports have been about McKinnon. So those are the really spots I'm looking to get here. Other than that, um, I mean, it's a great spot for George Kittle, like fantastic spot. Um, I wrote in the show sheet here, you know, over under seven targets for Kittle. I mean, I, and I, I still think it's going to be close like eight. 
you know, eight or nine, because really he's the only available pass catcher. It's a great matchup. So, yeah, I, I think that those are probably the spots I'm looking to get down in this game. That's why, as Jay Scaff says, I actually like the 49ers team total because everyone cites uh, Garoppolo's splits against the Cardinals last year, 740 yards, seven touchdowns, 75% completion rate. And that's fine. That's fair, whatever. But that, again, is small sample. We have much larger sample to go off because the Cardinals allowed the second most opponent plays per game last year. Arizona's games in particular last year, if you look at Football Outsiders, averaged the eighth most combined plays on the season. And the 49ers had 66 and 69 plays against the Cardinals in their two games just last year. And so you look at the the changes in San Francisco's defense in uh, DeForest Buckner and Fred Warner just coming off the COVID list and having D Ford in particular just returning to practice on Wednesday. I think it's a, it's really good for the Cardinals team total to go over. I wish I had a stronger lean because I believe in that on the total and on the game as a whole. But because of the regression reasons that Connor mentions, I think I'm more leaning towards the Cardinals and heavily on the Cardinals team total over as opposed to the whole game over. Love it. I've already bet the Cardinals team total at 19 and a half. Um, and I also have it over in the game. That's total. a good number. That's a really 40. good number. Yeah. I get the game at 46 and a half. So it's yeah. been, it's moved up a little bit. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think that I'm with you guys on overall looking at the Niners as a regression candidate. Um, I do think that uh, I think they could be efficient as becoming a more of a passing offense. I don't think they're going to become a passing offense, but if they start to pass more, I think they can do it with success. I'll be interested to see how that pans out the season, but uh, same thing with Arizona. I know they wanted to play fast last year. They obviously adapted, which is really good to see, you know, not coming in and being like, Hey, this is my system. We're going to run just four wides no matter what. And, you know, head down. This is what we do. Really adjusting the game plan to what your roster looks like to be able to be successful and becoming, you know, a pretty efficient rushing team in the second half of the season last year. So I uh, really like what Kingsbury did there. So I want to be buying the Cardinals early on. So like that number quite a bit. I'd probably continue to, to take interest in it if it stays under 21 even. If you is that 20, 20 and a half even. Um, I still would probably bet it if you're listening now and considering it. All right, next game's going to be really fun. Uh, another one with pace through the roof. Cowboys on the road against the Rams. Uh, the Cowboys, two and a half point favorites here. Total continues to be on the move as well. 51 and a half currently with some sizable team totals here. Daigle, what are your thoughts on this game? You asked me while I was drinking wine. I got you mid drink. Um, no, no, you're good. Uh, Silva just came upstairs and tossed me a bottle, so we're fine. We're good to go another hour if you want to. Uh, Is he spooning? By I want him to be like spooning right across from you, just sitting Indian style, like oh, no, on the other side of the camera. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't care about me. We both just do our things, and that's it. Then meet up in the middle. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, we, I, I mean, you have no choice but to love this game. This is going to be not only one of the fastest-paced games of the weekend, both offenses are absolutely set to explode. Uh, you look at Football Outsiders. I've said that like three times tonight, but I'm still going to keep mentioning it. They're pace worth mentioning. Because, because it's like all we have to go off of, right? We only know the pace numbers from last year, and I can just like have a subscription and click the pace numbers and know my stats. So uh, last year, the Cowboys ran – the second fastest offense in neutral game script. 
and the Rams ran the third fastest offense in neutral game script. So we expect this game to explode in offensive plays. And the Rams, I know they have Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but that's it. Like literally, we don't have to worry about anyone else at all. So I love the Cowboys offense. Even if Jalen Ramsey shadows Amari Cooper, even though I'm someone with all due respect to wide receiver cornerback matchup columns out there who take a lot of time to do the effort, I don't care. I don't believe in it whatsoever. So I don't even worry about opposing cornerbacks whatsoever. Um, so like, I don't care that Jalen, Jalen Ramsey may be shadowing Amari Cooper. It doesn't matter for this offense because we still have CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, who's legitimately a wide receiver two in fantasy, not a wide receiver three, a wide receiver two going up against third string corners, not second string, third string behind Jalen Ramsey. So um, I love this matchup all the way down, all the way down. Thank you, Preach, man. I love even Tyler Higby, by the way. Like, I, I think he's a great play this week. Uh, we spent all our offseason. Why would we play the Rams backup tight end? Uh, so I think you're right season long. But again, we are worrying about this one week. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know player props on him. I still have to look after this. But if his player prop is like, let's say, uh, 30 to nine and a half to 44 and a half, I'm betting the over, like 100% betting the over. Yeah, over on this game for sure. What are your uh, what are your thoughts here, Connor? Anything in the prop market specifically? Uh, nothing too much. I mean, I think that you know Dallas is receiving you know core. I think is going to be probably pretty wide. Um, and along you know those same lines, I think that the Rams running back group is going to be very wide. Um, so like you know, I don't think there's a lot of good numbers to. I mean, it'll obviously depend on the numbers, but I, I'm not really super confident on any of those guys really breaking out. I do like, you know, Cooper. I think all of them have good games. It's just a matter of what the numbers are set at. Um, Dallas team total at 27, I think, is interesting. Um, I mean, there's potential for them to put up like 30. I mean, pretty much every game, and especially in this game where there's, it's going to be fast-paced, and um, I think the matchup is good. Um, you know, it would not surprise me to see them, you know, drop 30-plus. Um, and at 27, I mean, 28 is very much in play as well as 30. So I think that that's, that's a pretty solid number to get down at. Um, the, the Higby stuff, I think that we're going to see Higby closer to like 60, to be honest. Um, and that's just my guess, um, just because of the end of last season. Um, but who knows, you know, I don't know. These guys, like, they just like set averages, like, you know, the player prop market guys, they just like take yeah. averages. Um, so that's going to be, well, I, well, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to see it, but just in general, maybe some, some Jared Goff, uh, overs, you know, like our our listener mentioned here, maybe some Robert Woods overs. Um, like, you know, I think that those those are very much in play here. Um, but those those would probably be the only ones that I'm super interested in because you know if the Cowboys are scoring like are up so much, I think they might just run Zeke and Pollard into the ground. So, yeah, I yeah. love the Robert Woods market for sure. Definitely, and then on I, Woods. I, do you think that's how it goes? Do you think the Cowboys run the Rams to the ground? Because I don't see that at all. I think the, no, Rams, no, I think no. the Rams keep up. I think it's a high-scoring affair. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the biggest thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see the numbers for sure. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean that's that will change a lot. There's a lot of them where I have a good feel on. This one, you know, I mean, we both expect to be high-scoring. The total's fairly high. You know, we, we like them to go over that. But, you know, most of the time, a lot of times the market already reflects that, which is kind of an issue. So, you know, like we might see like Cooper, like 80 yards, Gallup at, you know, like 70, you know, like things like that. So, 
The good thing is for Cowboys props, if you get value, is that I'm literally not worried about the Cowboys props whatsoever. Like this is a team that ha- averaged the ninth most ninth most yards per play since 1970 last year and kept everything intact. All they did was get rid of their bum coach and exchange him <laughs> for the most aggressive coach in the last four years prior to the time he was fired. Like literally Jason Gett was 32nd and going forward on fourth down and Mike McCarthy was first in his three past years with the Packers. So there I'm only citing like I think we should see more plays for this historically great Cowboys offense. So again, not worried about the floor whatsoever. It's going to be how people gauge subjectively, case to case, the Rams offense. And I think they can keep up in this and against this Cowboys defense that the secondary is just completely lackluster. Like Xavier Jones, like one of the one of the best uh, Xavier Woods, I'm sorry, like one of the best safeties options for them is coming in as a game time decision, will likely play. Uh, you talk about Daryl Worley starting, who was a bum on the Raiders, just like Jason Garrett with the Cowboys. I mean, it's just I'm not wor- like I think the Rams will score an immense amount of points as well. Yeah, I want to see the price in the Cam Akers market for sure too, because I think that there is a, an opportunity here where we might be getting a little bit of coach speak, and if he does indeed get an early shot and can run with it, I think he can emerge, and I think that price could be a little short in week one with a rookie and what seems to be, you know, an amb- you know a lot of ambiguity in the backfield as Daigle was talking about earlier, just kind of attacking it, wanting to bet on talent there what we think is going to be the situation in a matter of weeks anyway. So I want to definitely take a look at the acres price. Uh, next, we have the Steelers on the road against the Giants. This one's been on the move quite a bit. Um, most places now, Pittsburgh minus five and a half, total 47 and a half. What are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, I got this at four. Um, and I wish I put more on it because, you know, I've had this – since this opened, you know, I was like, man, this seems like a really bad line. You know, I just didn't think it would ever get to like six into this range. And now we're looking at it at six. Um, I mean, I think this is just a big mismatch. The Steelers are, you know, one of my favorite teams to bounce back this year. They have a great defense. Big Ben's back. His arm is feeling better than ever. Like they have a good pass catching, you know, core. James Connor's healthy. And then you're looking at a Giants team, which hired like one of the most questionable coaching staffs, like we just talked about of all time. Uh, I mean, Joe Judge, the the comical stories we heard about Joe Judge was just the most ridiculous thing ever. Like talking about how his quarterback needs to get like banged up in practice and like hit during drills. Like, I don't, I, I just, who the last time he was an offensive coordinator, you know, was not very good. Uh, and this Giants defense, which hired the Dolphins defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, and to be the same role. This is the same defensive coordinator that's led the Dolphins defense to a last place finish in passing touchdowns allowed, net yards per passing pass attempt, and 26th in rushing success rate allowed. And now you're looking at a defense that also was 28th in, in pass defense in terms of passing success rate, 29th in explosive pass rate allowed. This team I don't think is going to be as good as people expect. I know that the offense is exciting, but, man, I think that this is really – like I'm down on the Giants as a whole. I'm up on the Steelers as a whole. This is a great spot for the Steelers. I think that they could just absolutely steamroll the Giants here. And like for me, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of different bets here. I got down on them at on the spread, but I'm I'm interested on the team total, anything under 28. Um, and I think there's gonna be a some James Conner props which are gonna be good. Those are gonna be set way too low. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that this is a great spot to so like just go all in on the Steelers before the markets adjust. You had me at James Conner. Uh, David, what are your thoughts? 
I mean, yeah, I completely agree. I think Ben Roethlisberger is being underrated in week one. I want his player props. I think James Conner, like Mike Tomlin has said literally over three times this offseason that James Conner is a three-down back. Um, every, and everyone afterwards, if you read the comments on social media, they cite, oh, well, like James Conner is going to be injured week two. Fine. Maybe that's the case. But again, that's recency bias. And perhaps that doesn't happen week one. Maybe that doesn't even happen for 16 weeks. And if that is the case, James Conner is like a top six fantasy running back, honestly, because a three down running back in the Steelers offense, which with Ben Roethlisberger healthy through the most pass attempts in all of 2018 and leading the league in passing yards is an explosive unit. So I love James Conner. I love Rossberger. I love Juju. Uh, I'm not buying into the fact he's not a wide receiver one without Antonio Brown. I love Deontay Johnson. I just love all. I love Eric Ebron. I love all of them. Yeah, I love Lamp. I love Lamp. <laughs> love Lamp. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah it's, no. it's hard not to be on the Steelers here, and do want to be short on the Giants. So I totally echo what both of you said here. Um, Connor props. I'm definitely interested in continue to, to pour into that market. And, um, you know, the, I think the Giants passing situation is pretty interesting, but it's not, I don't want to take a stand in week one against the Steelers. So definitely want to see how that starts to look. Um, but again, they might not have a lot of time, might not be a really good week to get a look at the Giants. Unfortunately, I think the Pittsburgh pass rush will spend a lot of time in the Giants backfield and that will kind of make that uh, a wash for week one. Uh, another game here, the last Monday night game, we have the Titans on the road against the Broncos. Expecting some crazy weather, I think they got going on. I know that's going to pass between now and then. Out in Denver, it could be 96, and all of a sudden you can have 12 inches on the ground a few hours later. Um, line minus one and a half, total 41 and a half. Um, could be a place for the big dog to eat. What do you think, Dale? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... It's it sucks because I don't like to be on the public side or like the the public opinion, but just taking out Von Miller and now the fact that Bradley Chubb, we know he's going to be limited, but maybe he's missing altogether. That's what we have to wait and see on Monday night. And then we add in Jadevian Clowney to this defense on the Titans instead. And it's a disaster in the making, in my opinion, for the Broncos. I know they have really good home splits in the early weeks because teams have to coordinate themselves to the altitude. But man, this one is a mess. Uh, I have been down the Broncos offense all offseason. I just don't think it's the year to buy them. Between adding all these rookies, a new offensive coordinator, Drew Locke, who wasn't good in five starts anyhow last year, the, the you're not betting on Drew Locke's five starts. You're betting that it was only five starts. So it's weird to say they're suddenly going to explode with these new rookies in place. Although I do believe in Jerry Judy long-term. So it's not a team I wanted to buy to begin with. And Von Miller's situation and Juwan James opting out on the left tackle side and instead plugging in Elijah Wilkinson, who wasn't even an NFL starter last year. He should have been a reserve in his play for Juwan James while he got injured last year. Um, It's not a situation I want to buy. I think it's the Titans' role here. This is one of those home field situations that's obviously very interesting. You noted some of the historic data on Denver yep. at home. First couple of weeks of the season, uh, pretty outstanding record there. Um, is that? And uh, it's obviously a great home field advantage. It's a loud crowd. It's a, a football town for sure. But a lot of that is built into the altitude factor, I would think. Right, Connor? What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, that was a, a big thing a few years ago for me. You know, I thought that there wasn't necessarily priced into the markets a, a ton. But I mean, the, the altitude, like, you know, I, I tweeted this out like, I don't know, 2018, um, that, you know, going into that season, they were 31 and three in their last 34 home games in the first two weeks of the season. Um, and, you know, since then, the, um, their record has improved. But, you know, I, at this point, I think that it almost might be baked into the number and like, Really, I'm not sure how much it shifts this game either way, which is kind of tough because I, it just is really setting up for Derrick Henry to exploit this Denver defense. Last year, they were already 20th in success rate allowed, rushing success rate allowed, and that was with Miller. And, you know, now they have, like, Chubb and Miller out. So, for me, this game is just a stay away. I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of a homer, but um, Derrick Henry props are just, like, outrageous. Like, they, the market set them, like, at the end of last season, like, in the playoffs – there were Derrick Henry props floating like 126, like the, just the most ridiculous lines ever. And like, I couldn't in good faith take the under because like you can't, you know what I mean? Like there is any given game that they could feed him and he will absolutely crush the will of an opposing defense. And so I'm not touching it. I don't know. I mean, if you're getting maybe a Derrick Henry at like 80, uh, I think it's viable. Um, but in terms of the Broncos passing game, you know, I, I think that it's a little more exciting than, you know, what you suggested. I do think that Drew Locke is at least okay. You know, I thought that he showed that he was okay. Against bad defenses, he was okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure if this is the week. So, I'm probably just staying off this game in, in general. Uh, per Evan Silva on Twitter, who tweets far too much, uh, <laughs> when leading, Derrick Henry averages 5.8 yards per carry. And in Titans wins, he's, av- he's scored 34 touchdowns as opposed to seven touchdowns in Titans losses during his career. So this is one that while I would have disagreed with everyone and I, I really genuinely before the Von Miller injury thought I was going to come on this podcast and discuss the Broncos being one of the better bets of week one, that Von Miller injury and suddenly now possibly holding back Bradley Chubb, like nixes that all together. To me, this is one that just reads Titans all over it. I agree. Tennessee, I think, is a playoff team. It's another team that I think can regress. They obviously had just an insane amount of efficiency last year, but I think that they still can be a competitive uh, team to compete for that division. Seven playoff teams now in each conference, so we know that matters, and I think that Tennessee is one of them, and I don't think that Denver is in the mix for that, and I think this is kind of a, a nice matchup for Denver. And the one market that would be interesting to me, I know Connor talked about Henry Market on the rushing side being a little high, but if we're buying into a little bit more of this common occurrence for a three-down roll, I'm interested to see what his total yardage prop looks like because I do think there's a chance with really nothing but, you know, Darrington Evans, who I know, Daigle, you're a fan of. Um, <laughs> um, there's just not much behind him. So I, I really think we see a at least a little bit more Derrick Henry, um, you know, snap rate-wise. Uh, Connor, go ahead. I mean, I just needed to say that Daigle is Darrington Evans' number one fan. Like, I this think is that, not. Um, this is, it oh, is, did, you, did the fathead come in? I know you talked about ordering the new. I, this, uh, this for us, first of all, okay. So, long story short, we showed up. We rushed back from steak dinner, or I should say, like a steak. And it's not a steakhouse. It's a cheap steakhouse. Um, yeah. Dinner tonight because I I recorded the Roto Grinders pick six right before this and there was a package from Rich Rebar of Sharp Football that had Silva a two X. Like Derrick Henry, King Henry T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, so I stole that from his package and I put it on. So I'm wearing a 2x King Henry T-shirt right now from Retrieve Bar. Second um, of all, because that doesn't matter at all. 
I just get angry at Silva included, who just walked outside, and I hope he hears me. I get angry whenever people cite Darrington Nevis is no longer an NFL factor because he fumbled twice in a 20-minute practice session. That doesn't matter whatsoever. Don't listen to people that tell you that at all. Like, Darrington Evans could still have a great NFL career and be on third downs where we don't think Derrick Henry will catch passes. The good thing, well, see, the funny thing is, I thought Denver would initially win this game and we would find out quickly whether Derrick Henry would have that role. I don't think we're going to find that out now because I expect the Titans to roll. So we have to still monitor it forward. But I still think Darrington Evans is the third down back, despite what other people say. Yeah. All right. So in like, uh, okay. So in the GPP format though, right. So if everyone is backing, um, you know, like, like, is it a good spot here to potentially play um, like the Broncos passing game or like a, a Broncos player? Because it seems like, you know, I agree. You know, I think that the, probably the Titans roll, but I mean, there's a chance and it's not like an outrageous chance. I think it's, you know, I mean, the market is still the Titans are favored by like two points. You know, it's not like they're favored by like a touchdown that the Broncos are able to put up more than a fight and that Drew Locke, you know, plays well. So I'm saying it's not super likely, but it seems like everyone in the market is going to be, you know, kind of at this point on the Titans, at least in my opinion, or like Titans players and Titans sided narratives that drive them towards building their lineups. Off the top of my head, now if I'm building a two-game DFS showdown slate for Monday night, you can't go contrarian on the Steelers and Giants because literally the Giants, I'm sorry, Giants fans, I hope you're not listening. Uh, they have no prayer. They're not going to win that game. Um, the Steelers defense, even if like the Steelers offense gets injured, whatever, the Steelers defense is too good. So the Giants don't win. So let's say we go contrarian and then perhaps not stack, but pretend and create a storyline as if the Broncos beat the Titans. If that's the case, I really still don't think Darrington Evans comes into play because it probably would be a close game. It's the Broncos playing the run and stuffing the box and stopping Derrick Henry and Drew Locke throwing like two touchdown passes to Sutton and Fant because he's not familiar with Jerry Judy just yet. <laughs> That's how I. That's how I would game script it in my head. It being uh, contrarian for tournaments. Yeah, a little unique, obviously, being a limited slate. So, and then probably a typical slate. This game being such a low total would be really a non-factor in a twelve-game normal. We need to be clear though. Like James Conner is going to smash Monday night. We need to be oh, very clear. Like yes. James Conner is going to be one of the top running backs. Every prop every fantasy bet on the entire slate. Like that dude yeah. is going to roll Monday night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That two game slate that you're talking about building, you're, t- you're going to look at a lot of Connor Henry builds to start those, those two game slate lineups for sure. Yeah. We'll have to look at that Connor market. I definitely want to be in yeah. on that. Um, all right. To wrap it up, we're going to talk about the last game or first game of the week, which is our Thursday night. Are we save it for, for the end um, that way, if this has already happened, you can take off and come back next week and join us. If not, hang around and listen to us talk about a game that already happened. Um, or if you're a first-day subscriber, listener, we love you. And thanks for sticking around. We have the Texans on the road, Pat Mahomes, uh, nine and a half for the Chiefs here. It's moved quite a bit, uh, tens, nines out there depending on what book you have access to. Same thing with the total, anywhere between 53 and a half and 54 and a half. Obviously, everyone's excited about football. We remember the last thing we saw as humans. That's all we can do 
Uh, we can't look past our noses. So the last thing we saw was Houston and Kansas City just lighting fireworks on our TV screens uh, for the playoffs last year. It's going to be super exciting to get this one kicked off on Thursday night. What are your thoughts on this one, Daigle? Uh, yeah, so I have three props I want to bounce off Connor because I know he's already put some props in as well. And then tell me wrong, right, agree, no opinion, okay? So my three props are David Johnson, over 45 and a half rushing yards, minus 124. Um, I have Daryl Williams to score the first touchdown at plus 1,800. Mm-hmm. And then I have Will Fuller over 16 and a half receiving yards. Sorry, what was the first one? David Johnson over 45 oh. and a half receiving yards. Yes. Okay, yes. The long shot on Daryl Williams I think is very solid. And then the Will Fuller, yes. So those are two of the ones that I've already bet. Um, beyond those two, I've already bet uh, Houston team total at 21 and a half. Mm-hmm. Still available at FanDuel, I believe. Uh, DraftKings is up to 22. Um, and then, you know, I always put way too much money on, you know, like games, like when I get get excited. But I really do think that these are actually solid bets. Um, Deshaun Watson opened at like 260 and a half. At this point, you know, it seems like he's like 270, 280. I'm probably staying off. But um, the team total here, like the Texans scored 31 in both games against the Chiefs last year. And as a team, they scored fewer than 22 points in just four of 17 games. Um, and so I think that that's like, you know, very easy. Fuller over. I mean, he had nine and eight targets the last two meetings. Now Hopkins is gone. Um, and he dropped like three touchdowns, I'm pretty sure. You know, when one of the meetings against Kansas City, as, you know, Ian Harditz likes to point out on Twitter uh, frequently, um, th- those videos. Ian, Har- like, Ian Harditz know, likes my- to point out a lot of things on Twitter. I'm, frequently. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Will Fuller, you know, can't quit, like won't stop, never stop uh, truther. And uh, eventually he's going to, you know, blow up. And yeah, with, with Cooks injured here, like I think this is a great spot for him. And, and the, the Kansas City secondary. I mean, it's not looking good going into the season. Rashad Breland is out for uh, five, six games. And then you're looking at just a secondary that's not that great. Um, so I'm on that. The David Johnson over, like at four for four, we have him projected for 57 yards. Um, his over-under is at 45. Like, I think that this is a smash spot for David Johnson to hit like 60-ish yards. Fuller to have way over 60. Um, I also think that Tyreek Hill over 70 yards is an interesting play. Um, he has a good matchup. I think 70 is like, you know, about 10 yards too low. We have projected for 80 at four for four. Uh, and, you know, he's always a big play in the making here. So, I mean, I'm a little bit more conservative on that, but I, I love the other three. And then, of course, if Brandon Cooks is limited, I think he'll be available, but be limited. Uh, Randall Cobb first touchdown or his over props are a good bet as well, in my opinion. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Over on catches for Cobb would be interesting. for You're sure. going to get a discount if – Brandon Cooks is limp is available. So just be clear on that. You want yep. to take the discount. Yep. Totally. Good. Really good point for sure. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm glad that we're getting a game like this to start the season off. It's going to be, Oh God, it's going to be surreal seeing it on the, on the TV. So, all right. Uh, teaser time, baby. <laughs> uh, Daigle, do you, uh, do you dip your toes in the exotic market? Uh, perhaps, but I was not prepared for this one, honestly. Uh, so. uh, Noonan just gives his teaser, his like, you know, whatever he calls it, uh, teaser of the week. And then we rate it, you know, or like, I can do that. Busts. To be uh, fair, I'm going to rate every teaser like below value, but I will, I will get, I will weigh yours. Consciously. Oh, no, no. This is why we do this. This is, this okay. is typically the fishy. I'm not fishy. a teaser guy. 
the fishy teaser of the week was typically yeah. how it was it was dubbed. We you know we didn't land a sponsor in that market. Um, we just had the manscape. Well, so we should you know let's let's just do that. This teaser segment is brought to you by our friends at Manscape. We haven't done our official Manscape Steve Reed yet, actually, Connor. Um, uh, yeah. Tell them about your ball deodorant and how it just revolutionized your life. It's brought you closer to your family, is what I think I remember you saying. Yeah, I mean, we're just like, we have a much closer bond now, um, largely because of my crop preserving ball deodorant. Um, it's amazing. So, yeah, it, it's really just kind of a wild thing because of how good that I smell, you know, down there. Um, and I mean, I tease, you know, my girlfriend now with how good my balls smell. And that's, you know, a really important part of uh, being a manscaped customer. So, you know, I'm a big fan of their product and, and always will be from now on. We want you to try it too. Again, waterproof, LED lights, uh, it, stuff is awesome. 20% off on manscaped.com using the promo code Move the Line. All right. And teaser. I don't shave my balls because I live at Evan Silva's. So it seems disrespectful. <laughs> but if I did not, I would use Manscaped for the record to do so. So continue. Oh, fucking dying. <laughs> Oh, it's like it's like rent, but in a different way. Yeah, that's, uh, that's personal rent, so I can't pay that one while here. All right, we have a uh, seventeen or sorry, sixteen seven pointer. Okay, you need to poke the holes in it and you need to tell me where it's it's not going to hit. We got the Browns, uh, Ravens got the Ravens minus a half point, so you basically got the, the Ravens at a pick. We have the. Uh, Packers plus nine and a half against the Vikings. Um, Colts, basically a pick um, against the Jags, minus a half. Same thing for the Bills at home against the Jets. Um, they're actually plus a half. Steelers plus one and a half uh, on the road against the Giants. And then the Chiefs minus two and a half. Six-teamer, seven points plus 400 a little 25 dollar bet bring you home a hundred dollars call yourself a nice there you go i was about to, i was about to ask you to write it down so i'm going yeah to- so i got i got it up on the board here so we can look at it again because i was, I was writing it sorry i wrote point two but um it, it was you know minus minus two for the ravens um i'm only personally worried about the packers plus nine and a half because i'm worried about the pace of that game like again as we talked about Minnesota secondary is not prepared to handle whatever the Packers roll out, but Dalvin cook like should explode in that game. Again, he's my running back three in a fantasy. I don't expect him to have any troubles whatsoever. So that could be closer than we expect. It's one of my favorite bets of the week by itself is, is the Packers on the money line. So definitely bullish on them. So to get nine and a half, you know, obviously would rather have the 10, but I like where it's at. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Packers. Here we go. This is how it busts. Dalvin Cook, 60-yard touchdown, trying to run the clock out, and they win by 10 instead of three. And that's how your teaser busts, Noonan. That's how teasers bust. The Noonan's fishy teaser of the week. <laughs> he did like six of these things last year. Like It was like the most ridiculous run that I've ever seen. And he, he was like, you know, I mean, no one in the right mind is putting like real money, but he was putting like, you know, a little bit of things here and there. I mean, definitely ended up the year positive. To be, yep. to be fair, if you're sprinkling like a half a unit or whatever on this, that's yeah. actually these. I do like it. I really do like it. I'm looking at all this and like I agree with it. So 
Exactly. We've talked about this at length a couple different times over the last few years in the show with Chernoff in particular about, you know, using you know teasers. If you're going to do them, bet them through the key numbers whenever you can. Of so, course. Yeah. You know, if you're smart with it, you can bring it down and, and get games down to the pick them situations and, you know, make sure try to not tease through zero whenever you don't have to and things like that. So my, my thing is I prefer to be team no teaser and just like blanket that statement across teasers, but maybe I'm just doing it wrong. So. Well, that's the thing to Connor's point. I mean, when you start hitting them for a little bit, you know, you hit, you know, maybe three and four weeks or something like that. It's hard to not want to be like, all right, maybe we, uh, right. You know, run it back. Yeah. For like six more weeks, run it yeah. back. So yeah, they're obviously high variance and, and long-term a negative EV bet for sure. But you know, there are smarter ways to bet them. So but just overall Daigle, uh, what is your favorite play on the board here um, from a game spread or total side? Uh, I think the Bears Lions over at 44 is a safe one. How about you, Connor? What's your uh, favorite play here? Yeah, give me the the Bills here at uh, six and a half. Anything less than a touchdown, yeah. and the Bills are going to win by 21 or more. Yep. Nice. Um, probably my favorite play on the board of any of those things are just the. I love the over on the team total for the Cardinals um, like that quite a bit. I think that yep. game goes over in general too. How about player props, Connor? Um, anything that jumps out? Obviously we don't have a lot of the numbers currently, but I guess what's a market that you really have interest in. You want to really make sure you get some of the early numbers when those start to pop. Yeah. I mean, the big thing for me is just going to be Mac uh, like Marlon Mac numbers, probably maybe some Jonathan Taylor numbers. You know, I think those are going to come in at like 40, 45. So, I mean, I expect them both to have like 60 or more. So I think yeah, that's I- gonna be big yardage. I think both of them are going to get 16 touches. So I mean, exactly. they'll probably both explode on those. For sure. What are you looking for, Daigle? Um, player props in particular, again, um, speaking only for Thursday night, I think we're underrating Darrell Williams' value in that offense. Uh, at least the for mentor. The, the mentor. Yes, for the mentor, for the record, for those that don't know, Darrell <laughs> Williams in 2017, it's a joke, I know. But he actually did mentor Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, when they overlapped at LSU. Yes, Darrell Williams was the undrafted player. And yes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got taken in the first round. But again, when they reunite, Darrell Williams mentor Clyde edwards on the playbook. So he's just hanging around. And Nate Taylor, one of the most locked-in Chiefs beat writers on the year, even said that he expects the Chiefs to split the carries between Edwards-Hilaire and the mentor. So... I think people are underestimating Williams' role in week one. And not only that, then we are estimating his touchdown potential or touches inside the 10 potential in week one. And that's why at plus 1800, I'm fine just betting that for even one unit, you know, 50 bucks, let's say, sprinkle on eight plus 1800 is a good bet. I like it. I'm going to be on a couple of running backs. One in particular that I don't think will be on again for a while will be Josh Jacobs. Definitely want to see what yep. uh, the price is in the market for, for him in that game in general, just, you know, bullish on a lot of things uh, particular player prop wise is going to be on Jacobs. And then uh, I know I echo this probably across the board here with James Connor. want to see what we get there. Mm-hmm. Just going to hammer that and uh, love him this season in a great spot. You know, if you have worries about his health long-term, Whatever, you know, but he's healthy today. And it doesn't matter in week one. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So jump in on that uh, as soon as you can. So that does it for week one. We went a little long, but it's, it's, we can do a week one. We're excited, you know. It's, we've been pent up in COVID life and all these things. So um, 
Daigle, you are the man. Tell the listeners where they can find your stuff. Uh, rotorworld.com, of course. I just put up the waiver wars column if your waivers run on Friday. Uh, I will also have primetime player props. So the player props I'm personally betting, it took a big argument, but I'm only writing about props I have personally bet on Thursday night and Monday night football. And even if I write a column, if I say I'm not betting something, that means I don't see a prop I like at all. So you can trust that whatever's there, it's on me. And then rotorworld.com slash edge. You can use the code uh, Daigle10 to take 10% off of your monthly disc, to take 10% off of the price for weekly rankings, cheat sheet profiles, if you're in the redraft and season long game. So it's all there. And then also please subscribe to the Rotorworld Football Podcast on iTunes, which is the number four football podcast in America right now. We appreciate everyone listening. Yes, and sir. I show up, this dumb accent shows up three times a week. So enjoy <laughs> Love it. Great stuff. Uh, definitely you want to check out all of Daigle's work over there. Fantastic stuff. Subscribe, support good people. Uh, Connor, um, any takes for the listeners as we sign off for week one? No, I mean, I appreciate everyone uh, tuning in. You know, um, roll, uh, roll bangles, baby. <laughs> Let's get hey, it. I, I appreciate the two of you. Thank you for having me on for the first week. Like, I genuinely think both of you do amazing work. And uh, like you were excited to invite me on. Nay, that's a lie. Like I was excited to come on for week one. So thank you both for having me. Thank you, sir. Uh, We'll hope to have you back again sooner than later for sure. But Connor and I will be back to do this again next week. Again, don't forget to subscribe. Um, If you're a first timer here, you can check us out again on YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, um, rate review. Again, it really helps other people find us and uh, again, helps us keep the lights on. So for John and Connor. I'm Ryan. We'll see you next week.